Welcome back to the Georgia 2024 show. I'm with my co-host, Bill Quinn. I am on the road. I'm in Paris, France. We were attending the Iranian resistance event, the Mujahideeni Kalk or the MEK, which is fighting for freedom in Iran. So I am uh, off-site, but Bill is going to kind of carry the show for us today. Uh, before we get started, uh, once again, please sign up for our no-ad subscriptions. We have 12 websites. We're all over the world. We're breaking news from Iran to Paris to Ukraine to Georgia to Florida to Colorado. So please support us. We need your help. We're deplatformed. And uh, this is one way. It's a big revenue source for us. So it's 10 bucks a month, and you get all of our sites with no ads across the whole network. Bill, we've got a big show for us today going on. Uh, what, what, what do you want to talk about? Well, we've got uh, you know a number of things popping while you've been traveling, Todd. So no uh, no shortage of excitement. So let's talk about um, beyond the scope of Georgia, uh, kind of to begin. Um, there were several U.S. Supreme Court rulings this week that are uh, that have uh, implications all across Georgia. So let's start with um, the Biden student loan program. So in a six to three decision, the Supreme Court has blocked. Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. That was aimed at providing something up to $20,000 of loan forgiveness, probably to millions of borrowers across the country. Um, lots of folks had challenged the plan because it, it seemed to ignore those who had already struggled probably for years to pay off their loans uh, previously. And right. it seemed to, very frankly, incent new filers to apply for student loans, really, whether they needed them or not. Sure. Um, one, one recent quote I heard was, what do you say to the young nurse who worked for years and just finished paying off her student loan? And now she uh, she needs to uh, listen to what other people are getting for free that she worked so hard for. So and also a lot of these degrees were not really marketable. So that's another it's, it's kind of, you know, no moral hazard here. Right. That's right. That's right. So it's a number of different uh, factors to this. The uh, the other or the next um, ruling was to limit LGBTQ protections. And so uh, this one was a ruling in favor of a, a Christian web designer who refused and refuses to create websites for same sex uh, weddings and other purposes because of her religious convictions and and uh, objections. So that was interesting. And probably the most striking decision was the Supreme Court voted to effectively end affirmative action in college admissions. Again, a vote of six to three, the justices ruled that the admissions program used by the University of North Carolina and Harvard College violate the Constitution's Equal Protection Clause, which bars racial discrimination by government entities. I think this kind of parallels many people's feelings for the last number of years. They would hear stories of one child getting in and another child not getting in. And, and it seemed to be um, good discrimination, perhaps in a different way than was originally uh, originally uh, thought of. So um, yeah. that's now that's now effectively the, ended. There's there's one caveat to that is that the, there was a carve out for the service academies. So uh, that's a big that's favor correct. of mine. So. Um, we're going to be pushing to get that resolved because that doesn't help people in any race in the long run to to create division by uh, getting people in front of others who don't deserve it. That's correct. <clears throat> equality should be equality. There, there um, was one other case before you move on, which was the uh, the were you going to talk about this? The uh, gerrymandering case where basically they said the state legislature doesn't have the authority that we thought the Constitution said it had and that state judiciaries can overrule the legislature on federal issues, which I find uh, disconcerting to say the least with the election coming up. Yeah, I, I, I had not included that in my comments, but thank you mm -hmm. for that grab. That's, uh, that, that's, very, uh, that's very good. The, uh, the other one mm -hmm. I did want to bring up, and we've talked mm -hmm. about it months ago, was the continuing saga of the Brunson uh, case. Uh, you'll recall that Lloyd Brunson was one of um, several brothers that brought forth a petition for writ of certiorari and um, it's been denied several times, and uh, it was denied again this past week, but uh, is expected to again be appealed. And I haven't kept count as to how many times they've gone back, but um, I believe it will go back yet again, um, continuing fascination with this case as it challenges um, the standing of essentially the entire Congress, should it be found and, and, uh, and ruled upon at some point. So, 
um, that unfortunately was turned down or denied this and will probably come up again. Let's let's talk for a few minutes about what's going on here in Georgia. Um, yeah. So uh, citizens continue uh, on their own uh, to dig into stories and dynamics across the state. We appreciate that. They're bringing data forward to us just about every day. Uh, yesterday, we learned that Fulton County's GOP had, in fact, filed a mandamus uh, brief in a move to force Fulton County to finally uh, complete appointment of the GOP nominee that they have twice used to appoint, seemingly in, you know, in the face of law and uh, precedence that uh, compels them to complete such an appointment. <clears throat> so we hope that that will move forward. And we're going to stay on that in the coming days as they come to, uh, to rape, I think is what the, uh, the lawyers call it. Right. Um, the second thing that happened was midweek, Spalding County Board of Commissions held a special call to a uh, meeting and may have set the stage for changes in their election operations. Uh, the next day, Seth Keschel published a substack uh, detailing the events of the county's special meeting, which included them ruling on a reduction in budget for the county's election board. Uh, in addition, and perhaps more a bit more telling, a letter was read into the record by a board member during that same meeting. The letter was from Alex Johnson, um, a partner in Bernard and Johnson Law Firm. And Mr. Johnson stated in that letter, this letter aims to point out legal grounds on which the county election board and the county government have the authorization to choose the use of paper ballots over voting machines. And it goes on to state the various uh, black letter laws that uh, that support this. But most importantly, isn't it interesting that this was read into the record um, that same evening? And so, then there was pushback from various uh, sundry sources across Georgia. <laughs> there was, there was indeed. Um, and uh, you know, the uh, the board of elections is scheduled to meet next on July 11th. And as you just said. Within literally hours, um, the Georgia Record had published a um, an article, uh, basically paralleling Seth Keschel's uh, observations. And of course, there's there's no way you there's no uh, uh, evidence in in hand that says the the county commission is pushing for a a defined outcome to this. But isn't it interesting that uh, on the same date that they reduced their budget, the um, uh, they also learn that, uh, you know, a law firm is stepping up to explain the grounds upon which both the county government and the election board might perhaps choose to make a new decision. And then so, there's a lot of argument over that. Obviously, the secretary of state says it's his decision only. And, of course. you know, the Constitution may say otherwise. So, of course, the Georgia so, Constitution yeah, and Georgia law. Yeah. Yep. So bottom line is we've looked carefully at the comments that others have made. We look carefully at the comments the Georgia Record made. Mm -hmm. And for the moment, absent direct feedback from either the election board or the county commission, um, I think that we're, we're well-founded in the comments that uh, have been put forth. And we will uh, uh, hopefully await new developments as we approach July uh, 11th, which is their next board, me uh, board meeting for the election board. Um, so Next we got thing. Hank. Well, go ahead. Well, I was going to mention Hank Sullivan has been uh, bringing forth some new information in his latest Substack that was published this this past week, um, and uh, he is focused on uh, Kelly Loeffler, Brad Raffensperger, Dominion, and the Mitre Report, which um, Mr. Raffensperger has been claiming contradicts and essentially disproves the Haldeman Report. Um, We'll hear some fascinating facts Mr. Sullivan has uncovered surrounding that report and the people leading the so-called independent firm. Um, and as a, as a little preface for perhaps next uh, next show or beyond, we also understand Mr. Sullivan has uncovered some potentially concerning connections between Georgia certain certain Georgia committees and the potential ability to I'll call it bring back. Um, folks outside the state who are deemed in need of mental health evaluation or treatment and bring them back within the state 
uh, to Georgia. And this would ostensibly be, you know, if, if they hadn't done anything wrong and committed no crime, but were deemed in need of mental health evaluation or treatment. So we'll learn more about that. We'll, we'll reserve comments on that for the time being, but uh, certainly sounds fascinating. So what, back- what did they, what did they call that uh, during the Gulf war on terror where they would pull people out of different countries and, and put them in a hole somewhere? I, I don't know, but I, I think it's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there were lots of concerns um, highlighted earlier in the year as folks were examining and and uh, researching uh, HB 520, which uh, ended up not mm-hmm. passing, thankfully. But this seems to be uh, another concerning trend. We don't know how far it, it's uh, gone already mm-hmm. or how far mm-hmm. it could go. But just the possibility alone is... Um, uh, concerning and, and perhaps daunting a bit. So um, we'll continue yes. to follow that one. Well, let's get to Hank. Are you ready? You bet. Okay, let's go. We are uh, lucky enough today to be joined by Hank Sullivan. Uh, Hank has made a, a name for himself with uh, just amazing research over the last few months on a number of topics. So Hank, thank you for joining us today. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Bill. So in, in the last few months, as I said, you've, uh, you've published uh, several substacks that go into a number of topics, uh, some of which focus on a company called uh, Talatrix and uh, its connections to some of the folks in the Georgia legislature and some of uh, Talatrix's aspirations as a company and so forth. So uh, we were lucky enough to uh, to uh, pick that up and make it part of uh, some articles in the Georgia record. And uh, this week you've come up with another piece of research that's amazing. So um, let me uh, let, let me stand back and I'll let you kick off uh, what, what you're focusing on currently. All right, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm not really new to the research, been doing research for quite a while. Uh, I am new to Substack and I found that Substack is a, is a great platform for people like me, you, anyone. Um, famous people uh, are using Substack, and uh, it's it's a uh, it it gives you your own URL for your name at Substack, mm-hmm. and um, so I found that it's it's a great great platform for me to be able to use to get out some of my formal writings. Um, but yeah, I'm not new to research, been doing this for quite a while. I'm, I, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, I might be the, the foremost authority that you're going to be able to find on things like the federal reserve and things like that. But, um, it, it Inquiring doesn't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't come easy. It, it takes a lot of, a lot of time and effort to, to, to find out, you know, what really this 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 system is and all but um but yeah i I appreciate the opportunity to come on here so last week uh, i guess it was friday i put out a uh, a sub stack um talking about the 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 mitre report the halderman report both of these reports have been in the news recently Mm -hmm. and i tried to i tried to take it from a different standpoint i'm going to to find out, okay, this is what I do sometimes. Who is for this and who is against this? And I, I've already formulated my opinion on whatever this is. Mm-hmm. And if I find out who's for it, then I go, okay, let's find out why they're for this thing that I disagree with. And so, for example, here's here's a here's a good example of this. Um, you know, the I've been following the war in Ukraine all the way back to 2014 when I was a Tea Party, uh, Tea Party president, I guess you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I, at the time, I found out what was going on over there. It was a coup. It was a coup that was orchestrated by Victoria Nuland, who was the Assistant Secretary of State for European Affairs under the Obama administration. And she orchestrated a coup and she actually chose the new prime minister. And all of this is on a recorded phone call that uh, a lot of people have never heard of until most recently. And I think a lot of, a lot more people are picking up on that. So that was the, that was the key that started off the chain of events that led to the war in Ukraine. 
Okay, should we be overthrowing uh, foreign governments? I don't think so. So that, that's my opinion. So who's for throwing over, overthrowing these foreign governments and who's against uh, uh, Russia for that purpose? Well, one mm -hmm. of our, uh, our sixth district representative, uh, Rich McCormick, is all for the war in Ukraine. So knowing that, I formulate this opinion based upon knowledge, you know, mm -hmm. Okay, this there's a there's something going on here I don't really understand because you take a uh, you take a, a a an oath to uphold the Constitution, preserve, protect, and defend it. Well, the Constitution doesn't allow you to throw overthrow other countries, <laughs> so you know it it just forms this uh, if it forms a place to that you know that you've got to do more research, and yeah. so in the same way that I had this uh, this grasp of that issue then um when we have this uh there's the, the the third leg of this stool besides halderman and miter is this this uh update from dominion that mm -hmm. secretary of state raffensperger refuses to install i mean and this is a software update or some people are referring to it as a patch yeah yeah, a patch. Mm -hmm. And this is supposed to have, uh, you know, security updates uh, in the system if, if he puts them in there. Well, of course, everybody wants security, but Secretary of State Ravensburger refuses to put this in there. Now, I maintain that the patch is really not going to help anything because there are inherent problems with the, the system to begin with. Mm -hmm. But so Kelly Loeffler, that's how she got into this. You know, it's actually Leffler not mm -hmm. Loeffler, but I had this problem with O-E. <laughs> I read it as Loeffler. If she wants it to be Leffler, she needs to take the O out. But if I mispronounce her, her name, then forgive me. Kelly Leffler has a new advocacy group, and it's called Greater Georgia. Now, mm -hmm. she, she issued a statement out of Greater Georgia the other day that, that says, and I'll read it to you, she called on the Georgia Secretary of State and State Election Board to take emergency action to fix a long-standing, get that long-standing, software vulnerability in Georgia's voting machines ahead of the 2024 election. Now, mm -hmm. it's long-standing. Well, how long has it been long-standing? You think it maybe went back to 2020? <laughs> so, well, what happened in 2020? Well, Kelly Leffler was was uh, heavily involved in things back in 2020. So what I what I'm getting from all of that and and her history is that Kelly Loeffler is basically, and I I use the term insincere. You can come up with <laughs> that's a nice way of putting it. She's insincere, and then I gave a, in this article I gave a couple of instances of why I think she's insincere. Uh, they're on the Greater Georgia website. There, Kelly is seen sitting at the head of a table with a, a black family and they're eating croissants. Well, I don't particularly think that this is a common occurrence for Kelly to, to find herself sitting around a table with a, with a black family eating croissants. Biscuits, maybe, but not croissants. I don't know. That, that's just a joke on my part. But it shows basic insincerity and she has a history of insincerity. One of the other ones is famous is when she, she put out this ad in favor of protecting the second amendment. And she couldn't just say, I, I'm, I'm for protecting the second. No, she had to demonstrate it. She had to don all the hunting equipment, which, mm. which if you remember, uh, back, Oh, who was the guy that ran against, uh, uh, Reagan the second time um, from Massachusetts, Governor of Massachusetts, um, riding around in the Sherman tank and all that. Oh, oh yeah, with a uh, with a helmet. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what these people are doing. It's completely insincere. Yeah. She doesn't even own a hunting license, so there's a history there of yeah. insincerity. And, well, and the and others have come out and pointed out that uh, even the Halderman report itself says it's uh, patches likely ineffective, most probably ineffective because the system has not been designed uh, nor built to be secure. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. There's, fast forwarding into that conversation, the, the Dominion software has what Halderman calls a single point of catastrophic failure. Mm-hmm. And that is that if, if all of the programming comes from one location, then if that location is tainted, then the entire state election can be tainted. And, and that, that's something that can't be overcome, but that's, that's getting a little bit ahead of, of the, of the discussion on that. What, where I really take you back to, to point to this ultimate moment of Kelly Leffler's in, in, uh, in, uh, insincerity was on January the 6th. I don't know where you were, but I was in Washington, D.C. on January the 6th. And I got to see the flavor of what was actually happening there. So you can't really fool me into thinking it was something that it wasn't. But on on January the 6th, she she walked into the Capitol that morning and she threw by the end of the day, she had thrown the Trump presidency and her own Senate seat on the ash heap of history. She Mm -hmm handed both of those seats over to the Democrats. In in her speech, she told the world that when she arrived at the Capitol that morning, she insincerely fully intended to object to the certification of electoral votes. But because of the day's events, she could no longer, quote, in good conscience, object to the certification of these electors. Kelly Leffler then doubled down She said the violence, the lawlessness and the siege of the halls of Congress are abhorrent and stand as a direct attack on the very institutions my objection was intended to protect. The sanctity of the democratic process. Wow, what rhetoric. But then we know she's insincere because on January 6th that afternoon, she decided against protecting the nation's democratic processes because in her very words others had that day just attacked them <laughs> so no no matter what you think of what happened on uh, election day that year mm-hmm. she's blaming her defense she's blaming the fact that others attacked it that day that she could then not not defend it so that's just that's ultimate insincerity. It makes no sense. And Kelly's speech actually changed history. If she had said something else that day, no telling what would have happened. We probably wouldn't even have a war in Ukraine right now. Had she said, had she actually done what she said she came there that morning to do. Mm-hmm. So we know that she is insincere. And we've known that since at least January 6th, I maintain she's been insincere the entire time. <laughs> but that takes us back into uh, the, the way that she came into office and all that. I, I think that Kelly Leffler is an interloper. I think that she, her, she has a purpose here. I think her purpose, as in uh, when she came to speak down in Columbus at the Georgia GOP uh, convention a couple of weeks ago. Her purpose there is to engender support among the, what I will call the new Georgia GOP. And anyone who's been um, maybe uh, going to a, a recent meeting of the Georgia GOP in their county, certainly down at the, at the convention, will recognize that there is a new flavor to the Georgia GOP. And it is a MAGA flavor. It is a mm-hmm. an America first flavor. It's just showing that the people of Georgia, the uh, I'll say the the patriots, the uh, uh, the right thinking people. Uh, that's that's the only thing I can really say. Um, have decided to come out of the woodwork. And what, so, go ahead. One of the things that uh, one of the things that we noted last week was uh, Ms. Loeffler spoke in um, I believe it was uh, Paulding County. And, um, uh, you know, talked uh, a lot about grassroots and the grassroots people and so forth and seemed to be really aligning with those. But um, I, we, we within the following um, 24, 48 hours, we got a lot of feedback that said, well, that's that sounds good. 
but these grassroots people have been doing this and they've been, you know, yelling and screaming and, and working uh, for election integrity and other um, dynamics for two years. What they hadn't seen her up to now, many of them, and they said, gosh, where's she been? So it, it did seem like, um, you know, trying to align with things that um, heretofore she'd been uh, apparently not, not nearly as involved. I have a friend who put uh, a short phrase together that I think sums up Kelly Loeffler. After the events of January 6th, 2021, you, you can't come back brand new. You cannot come back a new person because when the chips were down, you handed the presidency and your own Senate seat because they were in the same election over to the Democrats. So now you want to start protecting the democratic processes? I don't think so. So that makes the case that this, this individual is insincere when she's calling on Secretary of State Raffensperger to install the updates. Oh, please install the updates. As if installing those updates is the problem. You see, psychologically, when you have someone who is um, a high profile individual like that, and, and she comes out and says, you must do this before the 2024 election, that gets everybody's attention on that, saying, oh, that must be the, that must be the problem, that, that Raffensperger refuses to install the updates. Well, why, why wouldn't he? I mean, when we get a Windows update, we don't have any choice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's gonna, it's either gonna shut down your computer or you install the updates. What would be the big objection to installing the updates? But he said he won't do it. I highly suspect that eventually, if they can get everybody focused on that issue and away from the real issue, he'll probably just go ahead and install the updates. And then he'll be able to say, I did what you asked. That's all you think yeah, I can yeah. think of that's that's really on their mind. So you have you have the Halderman report that uh, documents all of the ways that Dr. Alexander Halderman actually cracked the system. He he broke into the system. He was able to to uh, to to make the system generate false responses. Yeah, we should and, clarify too that he was given access to the systems as a function yeah, of his research for the court. The yeah. system. They, yeah. the court gave him access to the system and he did what he said. He, you know, he, yeah, I'll see if I can break in there. He sure did. Well, the biggest problem though, that they can't overcome is that the system was not designed with security as its ultimate concern. It was yep. designed to register votes, however it does and spit out an answer and do it quickly so that everybody can go on with their day and they come in and find out who won. And, and that's, that's what the system does well now, but there's so many different ways that the system can be compromised, but the Halderman report gives them um, a task that they cannot overcome. And that is that there is this single point of catastrophic failure in the system that, that, the system is designed around. So it can't, it can't get better. It can't be better. Uh, no kind of update is going to help it because you get garbage in garbage out. If, if the software is tainted um, at the secretary of state's office, that same software goes into every County uh, election system and the entire system is tainted. Okay. So the, the Halderman report, uh, documents five or six ways that Dr. Halderman was able to uh, crack the system. The response from MITRE, and uh, MITRE is a federally funded research and uh, technological venture um, that's got billions of dollars to spend on various projects. Mm -hmm. But the MITRE report just came back and said these things that Dr. Halderman uh, did to crack the system are simply operationally infeasible. In other words, nobody's going to do these things that he did. And so therefore it doesn't matter if the problem, if, if he was able to crack into the system or not. Well, obviously that's, that's a shortcut way of, of saying, you know, we really don't have time to do a good report here. 
So we're just going to say that your report just stinks. <laughs> your report is it, not valid because these things that you point out, that nobody's going to do this. <laughs> well, we know that's not the case because there are a lot of interested parties who would do practically anything to be able to control our elections. So that's yeah. just that's just not valid. So so I we go to look in at who MITRE is and and when I try to understand what a company uh, is involved with, I first try to understand, OK, who's running the company and what's their history? Because history is a good way to figure out um, what their motives might be and what their future performance might be. So. Mm -hmm. I looked at uh, the chairman, who the top guy, head guy, of the board of trustees is a guy named Mike Rogers. Mike Rogers is a former congressman. He was a former chair of House Intelligence back during the Obama years. He is a uh, he is a also the chairman of the <laughs> of the Atlantic Council now. It, people can look back on my Substack and they'll find out that I've already written a lot about the Atlantic Council and who they are, what they represent, what their purposes are. I'll just show you real quickly. Um, this is just part of a uh, a screenshot of the people who are the maybe the best representation of who the Atlantic, who the friends of the Atlantic Council are. Well, so you've got Biden here, you've got Macron here, you've got Zelensky here. So you wow. know who they're all about. Yeah. Um, huh. And and so that that gives you a, a really good indication of what they're about. Another another individual who the Atlantic Council is all about is is this person here. That is, can you see that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. that is uh, Victoria Newland, and I spoke about her before. She orchestrated the coup in Ukraine in 2014. Well, here she is speaking to the Atlantic Council. So you know what they're all about, and you know that Mike Rogers, who sits on their board, is also about those those kinds of things. So. Uh, knowing a little bit about Mike Rogers, you do a little bit more research and you find out that in 2022, Mike Rogers uh, was thinking about running for president himself. Hmm. Well, and at a press conference, he said to some reporters, it's time to move on from Trump. Time to move on from Trump. So you know the angle from which the head guy at at uh, MITRE is coming from. You look a little bit deeper into Mike Rogers back when he was the uh, he was the uh, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. And this is on video. I've got I think I've got the video linked in the article. Um, House Intelligence Chair says you can't have privacy violated if you don't know your privacy is violated. <laughs> Direct quoted from Mike Rogers. Well, by the same token, I would expect him to say, you can't have your election violated if you don't know your election is violated. Now, anyone who might violate the elections certainly wouldn't want us to know that, would they? So this tells you that the MITRE report is not as Secretary of State Raffensperger would want you to believe an independent review of the software. It's nowhere near an independent review of the software. So that's important from the standpoint of, okay, we got all these people saying, this is what we need to do. We just got to get, we got to get this update done. And once that's done, Dominion is gold. Well, that's just not the case. What Halderman is telling us is that the system cannot be fixed. There's no way that you are going to um, eradicate the various ways that this system is subject to being compromised by interested parties, especially the interested parties who might 
actually have control of the system. I mean, I was thinking this morning, Bill, that there is no one in the state of Georgia outside of, say, prison who has less uh, credibility and less trust than the Secretary of State Raffensperger. And he is the one who is in charge of our elections. He, you can't go back brand new. You cannot go back. I don't know how he would ever restore any kind of dignity for that office, even once he's gone, because it's so it's so tainted. But the last thing I put in the article here is is simply a path forward that these are my own words. Maybe people have different ways of expressing it. But this is this is the way I see it that the only way to restore public trust in the Georgia voting system is by decentralizing any power which could be used to determine outcomes. In other words, you can't have a single point of catastrophic failure in the system. Create an auditable, physical, public record of the vote collection and tallying and passing legislation into law protecting the public scrutiny of those records. If you can't have those three things, you cannot have a, a valid, secure voting system. You'll never have another, another fair election, assuming we've had them in the past. You'll, have an, you'll never have another fair election in the state of Georgia. You, I think there was one, uh, one thing, too, that was discovered shortly after the matter report came out. I think you might have touched on it, and that is the fact that the report was, in fact, uh, commissioned in part by Dominion themselves. <laughs> and so how, do you, how could you possibly look at a report that is examining the, uh, the veracity of the machines when the manufacturer, the provider of the machines, is, in fact, sponsoring the report? And seems, paying, yeah, paying for the report. I got a feeling not understandable to me, but yeah. you know, I can only imagine they they had a pretty low budget on it because they, all they did is say, "We don't believe you're right." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that is an important point too. Un unlike uh, Dr. Halderman, Miter did not go to the extent. Uh, as I understand it, maybe you maybe you can clarify. But my understanding is they did not examine the actual machines. No, so they did no. not did not take, go to the extent that uh, no. Dr. Halderman did. No, all they did was read Dr. Halderm Halderman's report and and respond in that way. That mm -hmm. you know they put a lot more words to it than that, but that's the ultimate yeah. conclusion. They describe why they don't think that it's operationally infeasible, but we all know that interested parties will do whatever it takes yep. in order to control the elections, because if you control our elections, you control us, you control the country, you control our finances, you control our tax system, you, you control everything about our country, and you, you control the wealth, the resources of our country, and you can channel those that resource, those resources, wherever you want to put them, which makes us slaves and them the masters. Yep. I am sure these discussions will continue. I, uh, I just have that sense. Uh, somebody, somebody echoed something that I think I uh, started saying a number of months ago, and that is well, there's some reason why Georgia seems to be an epicenter for whatever these problems are. And I think that that will continue to play out in the coming months. Um, so, you know, thank you, and and uh, we we uh, we appreciate and commend the efforts to to uncover what you have. I'm sure this will go on. If uh, if folks want more uh, information, perhaps you can guide them to your uh, Substack so they can yeah, read this and other things that you brought up. Yeah, it's just my name, Hank Sullivan. Substack.com, and you'll see everything that I have written formally going back years and years. And uh, I think there's a lot of great information on there. I would think that, but I think there really is. Some well, you're not the only one. A lot of people have said that. So uh, I think it's well found. Thank you. So Thank you. We, we appreciate the time uh, today, Hank. I am, I am sure we're going to have uh, more discussions 
as uh, both 2023 and 2024 progresses. So thank you and uh, yeah. keep us updated on new things as they come out, please. We're going to get on top of this, Bill. We're going to we get are. On- We're going to win, aren't we? We're going to win. <laughs> We're going right. to win. Absolutely. All right. So um, the discussion with, with Hank was the first of what I suspect will be many. Uh, Hank already has another Substack out, and we'll be talking about that in the next couple of weeks. Um, we also had the chance to catch up with Garland Favorito regarding some uh, uh, announcements and uh, a challenge, I'll call it, that he made this week. So let's go over to Garland and hear from him. All right. We were uh, fortunate enough to uh, be able to sync up with Garland as he travels the country. So, Garland, thank you for making time uh, on the holiday weekend. Oh, Bill, it's always good to be with you guys. That's great. So um, I understand that you uh, you executed a, a press release and uh, effectively a uh, demand with uh, Mr. Raffensperger. Why don't you tell us about that this week, please? Well, we felt like we had to do something. Uh, after the Haldeman report was released. I mean, we have been explaining uh, what that report is, what it says to everybody, but we have not actually had a suggestion on what needs to be done. And then there's a lot of confusion um, with uh, different people thinking different things could be done to fix the problem that Haldeman's uh, report um, came up with so mm-hmm. a lot of folks are saying well why don't we patch the system and uh, you know our point is uh, how do you uh, prove that it was correct even if you patched it simply patching alone doesn't prove that it's going to actually be a secure system and what i think was the most important takeaway from Haldeman's report is kind of right at the end a lot of people have missed it but he says that the system was never designed or engineered or tested for uh, appropriate security. Mm-hmm. And in his opinion, that it cannot be retrofitted into the system. And, and uh, I think that he's totally right about that. And that's the real problem. We can't fix this system. And we need to unplug it. So uh, the Secretary of State, as you know, Bill, he's going to fight that tooth and nail as he has been uh, all along, and uh, you know, that's, that's his prerogative. But the only other thing we can do is unseal the ballots so that we can verify uh, that whatever uh, patch or, uh, that may or may not be applied or whatever the system does can actually be proven to be correct. The only way to do that is to unseal the ballots, and I'm talking about the physical ballots, mm-hmm. so that we, the voters, can verify that the election results are correct and that uh, we can also detect the counterfeit ballots that were, uh, and they were almost assuredly existed in the Fulton County 2020 results based on all those sworn affidavits from senior poll managers. Yeah. Well, being able to access the ballot seems to be a, uh, you know, uh, should be something very accessible to, uh, to Georgians. I mean, during the, um, uh, testimony by even the CEO of Dominion, I believe, before the state election board, he himself said the the paper ballots themselves are the uh, the effective last test of accuracy, aren't they? Yeah, he did, and along with CISA. Uh, CISA said that they're uh, and they're nine. Uh, I think they found eight or nine flaws with the Dominion system. Uh, just a really a, a small uh, part of what Haldeman found. But their conclusion was exactly the same, is that the only way to ensure that the results are correct is to, um, is to audit the, the uh, races. Uh, and, and I think they used, I forgot what word they used, vigorously or ro- robust, I think is the word that typically people use a lot. So, yeah. so we need a robust audit. And what that means is in order to have that, the ballots have to be unsealed so that the public can ensure that the votes are correct. You know, we're, we're conducting elections for the voters, uh, and the voters need to be uh, assured that the votes are, that are correct. And, as you know, as you know uh, nobody really trusts this system anymore, the Democrats or the Republicans or the mm-hmm. independents. Uh, none of them trust it, so uh, it's, it's incumbent upon the Secretary of State to do something. And so that was our... Uh, as our uh, demand to the Secretary of State, either unseal the ballots 
or unplug this system. Let's get rid of it altogether. Yeah. So you issued this press release this week and, and made this demand. Have you heard anything from the uh, Secretary of State's office? No, we're not really expecting to. I mean, he's made his decision to go down the path of the continued secret counting of unverifiable elections. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's he's just uh, has shown an utter disdain and disregard for the voters of the state of Georgia. It's, it's amazing that a secretary of state could be so callous, but that's his position. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll uh, be fighting him tooth and nail on behalf of the voters of Georgia uh, until he comes to his senses and realizes that something needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a shame. It is a, it is notable though that uh, at events like the recent Sear uh, meeting up in Washington D.C., um, Secretary Raffensperger was treated as a key speaker. You would think that he would be the most interested in proving and showing election integrity and yet seems to be tone deaf to uh, your your demand and request and that of uh, citizens in Georgia. Well, as was everybody else at that SEERCON. <laughs> well, that's true. As you know, you were there. So uh, it, that was it was really disgusting to see all those people. Uh, and well, of course, it wasn't that many, really. But uh, not only uh, do they have a complete disregard for honest, transparent elections? Uh, but th then at the same time, there was a, uh, just a group of Trump haters. And, mm. and, it's, and they are just so adamantly against uh, Donald Trump that they, have they don't know truth from a lie anymore and any, have no standard of justice whatsoever. Uh, so. It's, it was, it's pretty disgusting. In fact, it was some of those uh, comments were absolutely chilling uh, in, that, in that meeting. It was just, uh, I, I was taken aback. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, it was interesting to hear President Trump's uh, speech uh, last, uh, yesterday afternoon, last evening in uh, South Carolina. At one point he talked about where the real uh, enemies were the real the real risks and he said the the real enemy is within and I'm not not exactly sure how uh, he's interpreting that but it sure seems to be in line with things that we've seen within the US in in late months um, things about uh, you know DOJ and others seemingly uh, looking for every uh, hook that they can to um, look away from bad things that we see happening and, and look at ways to keep, uh, as you say, the Trump haters fully stoked with new information so that they can find ways to try to keep him uh, out of uh, out of uh, the presidency as we go forward. Yeah, it's a great point. I think uh, I think uh, all of our military personnel take an oath to defend the Constitution and America against enemies, both foreign and domestic. And our problem, I think, right now is not foreign enemies so much. It is domestic enemies. And so I think that's he's right on track there. A very interesting comment. I, mean, I, I didn't get a chance to listen to his speech, but uh, that, that's a great point. Yeah. The, the other thing I found interesting yesterday was the uh, location of the speech. Pickens, uh, South Carolina, which is named after Brigadier General Pickens, um, who was, uh, some say, one of the uh, models, if you will, for the um, character in The Patriot that played by Mel Gibson. And uh, his, his moniker, uh, the actual Brigadier General's moniker was the Swamp Fox and uh, was widely renowned for his progress against, uh, you know, against the continental, uh, against the uh, British Army as he was fighting through the South. So uh, very, kind of very interesting afternoon and evening uh, yesterday as we watched the, uh, watched the speech. So the other things that, uh, or the other thing that happened this week was there was a very interesting meeting in Spalding County. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Um, so they, there, there seemed to be a number of things brought up. They made a reduction in, you know, the election board's budget. They read a letter into the uh, into the record from Alex Johnson. Can you, what, what are your, what are your observations about the meeting and, and maybe the potentials of what's going on there? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. And uh, uh, but I, I guess one of the things I was concerned about most was the legal interpretation by the county attorney. 
Mm -hmm. uh, it's not unusual. Uh, a lot of the county attorneys um, are uh, basically tying the hands of the boards to some to some degree. They're, 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 there's several different arguments. They say that well, they have to do what uh, every secretary of state says, and uh, uh, there's a certain code section, oh, 21200, that says that they have to have the same equipment. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, you know, for several of these reasons, they can't uh, do anything. So I guess, and by the way, right now what we're working on, Bill, is a paper, a legal paper to explain the county authority, and we'll have a presentation on that coming up Great. really soon. Uh, so um, the first argument which uh, some of the counties make is that they have to do exactly what the Secretary of State says. Well, that's so completely not true because in Pearson v. Camp, and we have the actual court documents, the Secretary of State, the Governor, and the State Election Board all argued that they have no authority over the counties to conduct elections. Hmm. So this first, um, and, and we'll publish the, the uh, orders, these are actual court documents, uh, and so we'll have all that out there, that's number one. So. The counties are not by, bound by anything the Secretary of State says. There is, there, they have some obligation to follow 21-2-300, but all 21-2-300 says is they, they need to uh, have the same type of equipment and vendor equipment. So if they were to change, they're, they're not allowed to change vendors from what the Secretary of State has picked or maybe even model types of, of the equipment. However, there's no obligation in 21-2-300 that says they have to use a certain configuration. So if they, if they decide not to use the ballot marking devices or not to use the scanners or hand count, they are uh, entitled to do that. And the two code sections that uh, uh, give them that authority are 21-2-334 and 21-2-366. Uh, three and I think one of those was quoted in Alex's uh, letter. Uh, 21366, uh, 21-2366, that's 21-2-366 for those that want to look that up. Uh, that authorized the county commissions uh, to uh, uh, have authority over their elections uh, uh, conduct. And then 21-2-334 authorizes the Board of Elections to have that same type of authority. And, and explicitly, uh, I think what Alex quoted was that um, the if the system is deemed impracticable, then uh, they uh, are entitled to do what they think is in the best interest of, of the constituents of their county. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how what how is impractical defined? Uh, some of the attorneys are trying to say that means it's actually impossible uh, you know, lightning struck it, you know, you could do it. And, but, but I think a more reasonable definition for us is that if the United States District Court has found that this voting system is illegal and violation of two Georgia statutes, I would think that would certainly be enough to say that this system is impracticable and should not be used to conduct future elections. Yep. Yep. And combined with the risks that are demonstrated in the recent Haldeman report, plus the the release from CISA themselves back uh, middle of last year, you would think that you add that all up and those risks in combination with what you just mentioned would um, meet the definition, a reasonable definition of impractical. So. Exactly, exactly. I, I, I think that's got to, reasonable is a good, good word to use there. <laughs> well, you know, you listen to the attorneys and you pick one, one of these words up every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's reasonable to yeah. voters to expect to vote on a system that is conforms to Georgia law. Yeah. They want to vote on a legal system that is secure, uh, and they should have the right to do that uh, regardless of what sector of state says. Yep. So um, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and that is the tone that you're hearing. Are you uh, – Secretary Raffensperger, back at that meeting we mentioned a few minutes ago, talked about voters feeling more confident in their elections. What, what's your, you talk to a lot of people every, every week. What, what are you hearing from folks all over the state? Are they more confident or what? Yeah, we've been all over the state to all four corners of the state. And, and you know, the, the, the concern is the same. Everyone, election integrity is the number one issue 
uh, in the state of Georgia, as uh, you saw at the GOP state convention, you, know, you and I were there together, mm -hmm. and we watched a complete overhaul of the state executive board uh, and all the strongest election integrity candidates were installed in every single race up and down uh, the board from the chairman down to the assistant uh, secretary. So, um, and a lot of them were our, our voter GA family, we call them. So uh, we're, we're thrilled uh, uh, about all that. But, but yeah, you know, the, the, I guess the key takeaway for this one, when Secretary Ryan really keeps saying this, is that the United States District Court has found that he is, quote, not credible, unquote. Uh, that was in uh, Judge Tuttenberg's October mm -hmm. 16, 2019 order. It's up on the VoterJ.org uh, home, homepage. I think it was page 72 or something like that. We even got the page number out there where you can read it for yourself. And, uh, you know, the secretary, uh, the, the court found that the secretary's office was not credible. Uh, because they had lied to the court repeatedly. And, you know, Judge Tumbler was extremely frustrated. I was there in the courtroom and I heard some of her uh, frustration uh, on several occasions. But in particular, what got to her was when they wiped the servers after the breach was found uh, back in 2017, mm -hmm. uh, when they had the white hat hacker, Logan Lamb, uh, had uh, found, he had found a, a flaw in the system that allowed anybody in the world to come in and put uh, malware on the, on, the, on the election server that preps the elections for every county. And it's only one server. And he notified uh, Merle King, who was the director of the Center for Election Systems at that time. And six months later, they still had not closed that, that gap. Wow. So, um, and at that point in time, the um, a lawsuit was filed. That was the Curling v. Raffensperger case. And immediately after that, that uh, that case was filed, they wiped the servers out, out at Center at Center for Election Systems, and then tried to claim to the court that that was standard procedure. And that was when Judge Totenberg said, "You're sorry, your office is quote not credible on quote." Mm -hmm. um, so uh, that's. Uh, I think that really sums it up. You know, when you have uh, a United States District Court uh, being frustrated because the Secretary of State of Georgia is lying to them, uh, it's just uh, uh, an unbelievable situation that needs to be corrected. Yeah, disappointing doesn't really cover it in this case. So, any anything else that's coming up that we uh, that we should know about Garland? There's been a lot happened in the last couple of weeks, and we're kind of looking forward perhaps a, a bit to the next steps anything anything you can share well the immediate thing bill is we're going to be out at woodstock uh, in our parade uh we're going to be marching and announcing our new campaign which is unplug uh georgia unseal mm -hmm. the and unleash transparency uh to restore trust so that that's we're out there at woodstock we'd love for people to come out and, and uh, march with us uh, it's, uh, the information is up on the VoterJ.org uh, uh, volunteer page. You, just, uh, you can click on the link and then sign up and come on out. It's about, parade starts at 10. <laughs> it's pretty easy. We'll just walk for an hour right through town. And uh, then we'll have a booth and a little park over there. Uh, so um, it's uh, a real good um, outreach event for us. So that, that's happening Tuesday and the 4th of July, and then we are going on, uh, we'll probably producing our uh, legal uh, brief document for the counties, but that's our, our top priority to get that out for them right now so that, mm -hmm. so that they have the ammunition they need to try to control their own elections. And then we'll see where we go on some of the court cases. We still have five or six active court cases in Georgia. Um, they're all, uh, a couple of them are in the Supreme Court right now. When one was one. Uh, so um, we are fighting with everything we can to secure the 2024 elections. We're also working with the legislators. And That's trying, great. Trying we are coming them. into a, a critical time, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. And we're working with the executive board uh, uh, with the Republicans as well. So um, hopefully we can get something done to secure the 2024 election because right now uh, it is wide open. 
to fraud and errors and irregularities and illegalities, a lot of which uh, Dr. Holland has already described in that paper. Yeah. We, we very much appreciate you making time during your travel to, uh, to speak with us and join us today. Uh, and we look forward to uh, uh, to uh, news from the, the parade on uh, Tuesday and so forth. So thank you again, and uh, we will see you in the coming days, I'm sure. All right. Thank you, Bill. All right. Well, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Todd will be back for uh, our next show, and we hope that everyone will have a safe and enjoyable Independence Day. Those words mean something perhaps more uh, than they have in previous years. And we hope that uh, you'll have the time to reflect on that. So once again, have a safe and happy one, and we will see you next time.